Hello and welcome to Play Hard and Love Big Radio. I am your host, Nick Clark, and today is January 29th. And it's been a three or four day rainy period up here in NorCal, which is a good thing because we sure needed it. I know that all of you that live up here agree with us. Uh, for me, selfishly, I love having extra water in the lake to go do sup paddleboard yoga during the summertime so the longer that that water lasts the better today i'm going to read you some sections out of baron baptiste's book called perfectly imperfect the art and soul of yoga practice as most of you know spotted dog yoga is a baptiste yoga affiliate studio Katie and I both have trained with Baron Baptiste for the last 11 years through numerous trainings and just weekend workshops and opportunities to be around Baron Baptiste. What's obvious to us is that he is an amazing leader that cares about creating a practice that is not only easy for us to understand as someone who is new to the practice, but also very deep and enriching and full of layers for us to expand into it. The section of the book that I'm going to read to you today is on page 97 of Perfectly Imperfect. And it's a part, it's a little bit later on in the book, but actually what it'll lead to today is a little discussion on what are called the yamas, and the niyamas. The yamas and the niyamas are actually very important for us to be at practice with in order to create a purposeful meditation practice, in order for us to create a purposeful yoga practice, and in order for us to create a purposeful life. However, what happens to us a majority of us, it happened to me, is that we are attracted to the physical benefits of Baptiste yoga or any sort of yoga that we get involved with. And through the physical benefits, we start to become stronger, we start to feel better, and then we start to want to know more about this practice. And it's at that point for me, at least, and probably for quite a few of you out there, where we have to rewind, go back, and start again in order for us to continue to find new things and more depth from this practice. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, before I jump into this, I want to let you know you can buy this book online anywhere, and I recommend it. It makes the depth of this yoga practice seem, so sim seem very simple. I say so simple. It's not so simple, but seems simple and attainable. So grab this book. You can also grab it at Spotted Dog Yoga. We have a handful of copies here, and we appreciate the business, of course. Another book that I recommend that you check out now that we're getting into the Yamas and the Niyamas is a book that I read in my first 200-hour teacher training program that is called The Yamas and Niyamas, and it is by a woman named Deborah Adele. So check that book out for more reference on those. At the beginning, the beginning of this chapter starts with a quote by Patabi Joyce. It says, do the work, 
do your practice and all is coming. Many people come to yoga initially because they feel they have lost some connection with their body. Their body is aged or changed, or they may have had some type of health crisis that brought them to the realization that they've become disembodied. That is to say, who they see themselves to be is not reflected in the body they inhabit. Typically, when people take their first Baptiste-style yoga class, they quickly experience a gap between the concepts and beliefs that they've had about their bodies and what is actually happening in their physicality. Some believe they are stiff and discover that they are far more flexible than they thought. Side note, a majority of people that I mentioned should try yoga will say, not majority, sorry, a decent amount of people that I mentioned they should try yoga say to me, oh, I'm not flexible. I've never been flexible. And remember, this is, that's a really great reason to get into yoga is because it will help create flexibility in your mind and your body. Continuing on, continuing on, some think that they are strong and are surprised that, there's, that the strength that they have acquired doing bench press at the gym doesn't translate directly to strength on the yoga mat. Others believe they are completely lacking physicality only to discover they can do far more than they imagined. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of disconnect, the first goal of the yogi is to re-enter your body. Part of that process is simply remembering that you have a body in the first place, which you may not have given thought to in a long time, and that it has treated you quite well. Sometimes, in spite of neglect or even abuse, the goal for the novice practitioner may not to be to become a great yogi, but rather to refocus their attention on their physical existence in space. This is what it means to do the work as a beginner. Okay, so like I talked about in the intro to this podcast, majority of people in the Western world get into yoga because of the way that it makes their body feel. They're re-entering their body, which is neat how Baron is speaking to this. It's a process that all of us have to go through because we've in some way, shape, or form through experience, through hard work, um, have lost connection to our body. So re-entering our body is a very, very important part of this practice doing the work takes you out of wishing things to be different in your physicality or on your life and enables you to reap the greater rewards of yoga you do the work on your mat and source the work from within yourself and that allows for a fuller natural expression of your values interests and desires your work forms the asanas which become the vehicle that activates your energy and sparks you back to life on the surface, you are learning yoga practices and techniques, but underneath, you're intimately getting to know your physical nature. Doing the work means bringing your mental theories, energy, and physical body together in harmony. I really like that. Oh, doing the work means bringing your physical theories, energy, and physical body together in harmony. Yoga practice is distinct from most other physical growth methods because it comes from the premise that when you seek, uh, excuse me, it comes from the premise that what you seek is already within you and won't be found by attaining some outer goal. Ultimately, it's a journey to the core of your being. In the work of yoga, the outer point of the body is the doorway to access what you're seeking within you. 
The work is to keep peeling away the layers of the onion to help you get to the heart of you. There are many metaphors we can use for this. The lotus flower, for instance. The lotus flower is already there, hidden in the mud, obscured from the excess that is covering it. It doesn't need to be created or invented. The mud gets washed away, and suddenly there's this flower. The work to be done is to remove the layers that cover the beautiful flower. You don't have to add anything to your being. Rather, you want to subtract and sloth away some things. The work in that way is quite simple. The question there from there becomes, what steps do we need to take to do the work? In this section of the book, he Baron starts to talk about the eight limbs of yoga. And the eight limbs of yoga were created and written down by a man named Patanjali. And the eight, st- the eight limbs of yoga are the moral observances or the e- yoga ethical practice. You know, and ultimately what we're looking for is to work towards the eighth wheel, the eighth limb of yoga, which is called samadhi. And in samadhi, that's where we experience wholeness, this place where nothing is lacking, right? But in order for us to get to this place where nothing is lacking, to this place where we experience and are living, not just ex- we're not just experiencing, but we're also living wholeness, we have to work through the seven other limbs or the seven other parts of the wheel before we get there. And so the first two, I've, you know, Think is I think are really interesting because um, yama and niyama are things that I've read about and studied and looked into, but never really thought of the importance of them in uh, regards to the whole yoga experience. Nama, yama, and niyama are the first two limbs of the eight limbs of yoga. And a yama refers to, or broken down simply means a self-restraint. And niyama, simply broken down, means a fixed observance. So I'm going to read you um, a little bit about yama. And then we'll have just a brief discussion where you could write down some notes and maybe come out of this with some a little bit of inquiry for yourself. And then we'll do the same thing for Niyama. We'll jump in and read a little bit about Niyama, and then I'll leave you with some questions and some thoughts for you to journal on so that you can come up with something hopefully there that helps you become more purposeful in your yoga practice and in your life. Yama is translated in Sanskrit to mean self-restraint. But this English translation actually changes the meaning of the word yama as it is used in the context of yoga practice. Yama doesn't actually suggest constraint or repression in any way. The way Patanjali used the word meant to direct one's energy in ways that affirm life rather than waste or destroy that precious life force. Yama doesn't mean to repress your energy, but rather to direct your energy. Your habitual practices either direct your energy towards expansion and being a yes, or they do not. Let me read that part to you one more time. The way Patanjali used the word meant to direct one's energy in ways that affirm life rather than waste or destroy that precious life force. 
Yama doesn't mean to repress your energy, but rather to direct it. Your habitual practices either direct your energy towards expansion and being a yes, or they don't. So let's we'll pause right here, and this is a great place for you. If you have um, a piece of paper and a pen available, you should um, scribble some stuff down. If you don't, if you're just listening to this in your car, then you'll remember it, and you'll be able to um, do the inquiry without writing it down. Okay, But both hands on the wheel. Okay, be safe, especially if you're up here in Folsom. So my question for you is, if a yama doesn't mean to repress your energy, but rather to direct it, and your habitual practices either direct your energy towards expansion and being a yes, or they do not, then what are your habitual practices that are not leading you towards expansion and being a yes? What are your habitual practices that are not leading you towards expansion and being a yes? So you just write when you and when you're writing inquiry and you're just journaling, just journal stream of conscious and be flat with yourself. I love that Baron says that all the time. He says, just get just get flat with yourself. Be honest with yourself. What are the habitual patterns that you do every single day? that either direct your energy towards expansion and being a yes or do not, you know? So what are the ones that are keeping you from expanding? You know, is it that you have three cups of coffee every morning and then you're strung out and by the time it gets to be noon, you're exhausted. And then by the time you get home at six o'clock at night, you can't hardly hold your focus and keep any energy for those ones that you love the most. You know, is it possible that a three cup of coffee morning isn't the best thing for you and it doesn't lead you towards expansion and being asked? That could be an answer to put down here. You know, it's quite possible too that your words, well, it's not quite possible. This is very true to me that your words create your world. So, whether and whether your words are being said or not, your words create your world. Right, Because if you're saying them out loud, they're occurring in space where someone else can hear them. And if you're saying them to yourself, no one else can hear them, but you can, and they register in your head. Right, So your words create your world. So is it possible, too, to think of this in habitual practices of thought that are not leading you towards expansion and being a guest? You know, what thought patterns are you having on a daily basis that are keeping you from expanding? The opposite of yama would be to have your energy traveling in a million different directions. It's the same energy, the same life force only. Without yama, it's scattered and thus diluted or even squandered. I've been in classes with newer teachers whose sequencing is overly creative because they're trying to impress the class or be entertaining. But as the student, I'm left with the experience of moving all over the mat without real direction. It feels as though I'm moving uselessly, and that squandered energy creates frustration. The same kind of experience of having no direction can create same, the same kind of frustration in my life off of the mat as well. Without yama, we deplete our energy and are left with the experience of exhaustion without fulfillment. And so in order to discover you know, what and, and implement habits, 
that you do on a daily basis that are going to lead you towards expansion and being a bigger yes in your life, you have to create an awareness around what habits are taking you the opposite direction, taking you towards um, depletion and frustration and being a no. Doing the work of creating self-restraint first requires that you give direction to your life energies. As we all know, your life energy has limits. And if you do not harness it, you cannot manifest all that's possible. Our life energy can be directed on the mat and off in such a way that it becomes a doorway to limitless possibility. Yama allows us to realize our innermost desires by directing our energy to fulfill them. On the mat and in life, you begin with yourself. To give direction to your desires and to move your energy in that direction means that you need to accept at the level of your bone marrow that you have free will and therefore responsibility for the direction you give your energy. We are all responsible for the actions we choose to take in our poses and in our life. One of the three themes of Baptiste Yoga is you are ready now. This means to begin with yourself from within and intentionally give direction to oppose. You create Yama. Yama is the true north of your inner compass, moving you towards the thing that you are a yes for. Then general terms, self-restraint on the mat means that you're becoming more centered by pulling in all the parts of your body towards center line and integrating holistically into your body's core. From that core, you move your energy outward through your extremities and a beautiful natural expression that brings you joy. You use yama when doing the work and opposed by being intentional, moving consciously, mobilizing and gathering your energies and expressing them with purpose and orchestrating all of your parts towards a unified direction. Okay, cool. So now we're going to move to the discussion of Niyama. And if you recall, I spoke earlier, Niyama means focused observance. This means that your life and practice have a discipline and order to them. Niyama is the practice of regularity, but without rigidity. Let me read that again. Niyama is the practice of regularity, but without rigidity. Unless you have a disciplined regularity in your practice, you will be left with just random impulses and instincts, and yama and asana will go out the window. Right, so now we're talking about not only do you, is it important, yama, to focus on and notice the habitual patterns that are leading you towards a yes, and bring awareness to and let go of shed some of the patterns or all the patterns that are leading you towards being a no. And now what Baron's speaking to that I love is that you know, even if you do that work and you have that, have that created habitual pattern throughout your day with your thoughts and what you're doing, even though you have that, if you don't have a disciplined regularity in the practice of that, and the practice of yoga and the practice of meditation and the practice of inquiry, if you don't have that discipline regularity, you're going to lose all the strength that, that that awareness of your yama has given you. Sometimes people confuse discipline with no freedom. 
but consider that discipline in this practice frees you from default thoughts and habits that are dominating your life. Whew. For instance, if you develop a discipline that you get on your mat every weekday morning for 30 minutes as soon as you awaken or whenever your preferred routine looks like, then that habit becomes ingrained. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to constantly rearrange your schedule and juggle your priorities because that's a set practice. If your yama is directed towards being a yes for your practice, then any default habits like, say, hitting the snooze button have no space to take hold. Through discipline, you're given a freedom in body and being, a freedom to choose the direction of your life consciously and harness your energies to fulfill it. It is not a stretch to say that only the yoga yogi who has regularity and discipline in his or her practice can hope to one day be a master. I love that. It is not a stretch to say that only the yogi who has regularity and discipline in his or her practice can hope to one day become a master. So my question for you around Niyama, focused observance, a disciplined regularity is where in your life are you lacking discipline in regards to your practice? And I'm speaking here um, to those of you who have a yoga practice. Wait, where are you lacking discipline in regards to your yoga practice? Is it uh, the discipline to come five days a week? three days a week, five days a week, seven days a week, whatever it is that you say is important for you, that is a habit, what, whatever level of habit, yama, that you are connected to and desiring to create in your life so that you can create the things you want to have in your life, whatever level of that, what is lacking as far as discipline, you know, consider that if you're were coming five days a week and you had the discipline to book your classes, get their 10 minutes early, do a little pregame st stretch, connect to the community, right? Or if you're doing it online on Zoom, if you had the commitment to do it five days a week, so you signed up early, you got on there early, you got your head space straight and you did it. If you did that five days a week, how could that help and encourage you to become a better yes, right? So where is it that you're lacking direction in your yoga practice? Could also be meditation, right? The three practices and techniques of Baptist yoga are meditation, asana, and inquiry. Those three things, meditation as an access to becoming present and awakening, asana, journey into power as an access to power, vitality, and freedom, and inquiry as an access to discovery and to new possibility. And all three of those things work together in, to create wholeness, right? We're talking to create samadhi. Those three th things work together. And those of you especially that done the teacher training program know that those th three things are vital and important for you to get the most out of your yoga practice. Yet I'm guessing, like in my life, some of those things are missing. For me, the things that are missing definitely have been meditation and inquiry. I'm a physical dude. I grew up playing soccer and anything physical is so easy for me to do. Really, it is. I can get in and I love and I thrive on the intensity and the heat that is created in my muscles from a rigorous workout. 
or from playing in a rig- rigorous way. I love that sensations. It's like my, I love intense physical sensations. That's my thing. Now, I don't necessarily love slowing down and observing my thoughts. Seems like it is um, frustrating a lot of times more than it is empowering, you know, because of what I'm seeing and what I'm channeling through and the amount of space and time that it takes to really slow down and to connect to those experiences and those thoughts, right? So you may, re- you may relate too. Maybe your asana practice is disciplined, but your meditation practice is not so disciplined. In fact, not disciplined at all. And then your inquiry is not even present. And so for those of you that are like that, then it would be important to start putting equal amount of discipline through your meditation and your inquiry. You know, it could also be that you're really heavily meditated, but you're not going to yoga practice consistently and you're not journaling what's coming up for you in your meditation and your yoga practice. And so for you, those heavily meditated characters, it would be important to add more discipline to your yoga practice and add more discipline to your inquiry. All right. So the question here again, I mean, I kind of jump around a little bit. The question is like, what, where is it that you're lacking discipline in regards to your yoga practice? Okay. And the third step of the ladder, the eight limb path is asana, which means posture. The work to bring this step of yoga alive happens only. Now this is the, why I'm doing this whole podcast because I read this and it blew my mind. This is, this is brought me back to the very beginning before I ever did a downward facing dog, before I ever knew what ujjayi breath meant, um, before I understood the power and connective possibility of the sound of om. It like brought me back and made me really reconnect to what it feels like to be a beginner again. The work to bring this step of yoga, the asana, alive happens only by building off of the first two steps when you have the direction and the discipline the regularity of getting on your mat then you can cultivate powerful asana so the power that you are getting out of your yoga practice is directly related to the direction and the discipline, the yama and the niyama, directly related to the direction and the discipline that you have, the regularity that you have of getting on your mat, and the purpose, like the purposeful intention of the yoga practice. Your yoga practice is being limited by your lack of discipline and direction. Um, I don't know, maybe like, maybe limited isn't the right. Yeah, limited is right. That's how I would say it. It's being limited. You know, so you may have done a practice for 10 years and you feel incredibly comfortable and um, strong in your yoga practice. And then you realize like there's this moment where it flatlines like it loses its energy it loses its excitement you're like oh my god i've been doing the same poses over and over and over again for 10 years and i can't i'm not enjoying this i'm not excited about it It seems boring right well in the words of baron baptiste which i love he says the practice is not boring you're boring 
And look, you're not boring. Maybe it's just you just never realized that how important it is to create your yama and your niyama. You maybe didn't realize how important it was to create the direction and the discipline in order to energize and empower this practice. Because maybe you just came in and tried a 30-day for $30 or a first-class free at a yoga studio or at Spotted Dog, and you love how it made you feel, and you just did the yoga to do the yoga. Like, ah, like every day you'd go because you're pumped you know, about it. And then that starts to fade away, and you start to forget like how amazing it makes you feel because you're not doing it as often. And then you wonder, like, what happened in my passion of yoga? Well, consider that it has to do with staying disciplined and keeping your direction as you move forward. Or maybe you had an injury, and you have to reshape and recreate your discipline and direction so that you can continue to find more power and rehabilitation through this practice. Pretty cool. So I'm basically left with, um, in the, my personal inquiry of this section of the book, I'm basically left with, like, how, what is it that I'm focusing my attention on that is leading me towards expansion and a yes energy? And what am I focusing my attention on that's leading me to uh, the, a no energy and things that are, like, frustrating and taking me out? And I'm also focusing on and taking a really deep look at where it is that I'm lacking discipline. I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, I definitely lack discipline in a daily meditation practice, which is so silly in, in some ways as well, because every time I do a meditation practice, I feel incredibly better. Last night I did the 30 minute meditation before bed, and it, you know, I pretty much was thinking the whole entire time. You know, I'd notice a thought and then I'd let it go. And I'd notice another thought and I'd let it go. And then I'd be lost in thought for five minutes and then I'd let it go. And I don't necessarily remember all the thoughts, um, but I did scribble down some of the thoughts. And when I went to bed, I slept the first two hours, I slept harder than I've slept forever. It's like so good. And when my son woke up in the middle of the night and um, needed somebody to hang out with him just for a bit to settle him down, like I wasn't grumpy and irritated. I was like, hey, like in really a good mood and felt refreshed. And then when I went back to bed, I didn't sleep for the longest amount of time. I slept for another four hours, so like six hours total last night. And I woke up refreshed and re-energized. And the only thing that I had done differently than the nights prior is a 30-minute meditation with a little bit of inquiry. So I can see right there the proofs and the pudding that the asana, the way I'm taking my pose in life, the way that I'm taking the poses on my mat is a direct reflection of how disciplined and with how much direction I'm applying my yoga asana, my meditation, and my inquiry. I sure hope that you love this lesson. It's uh, something that I wanted to share with you. Remember, if you want to learn more about the Yamas and the Niyamas, get your hands on the book called The Yamas and the Niyamas by Deborah Adele. You definitely got to get your hands on Perfectly Imperfect by Baron Baptiste. He has a couple other books that are great, but this one, his most recent one, is definitely my favorite. Um, I love it, and I love him. To get a taste of Baptiste yoga, you can enjoy Spotted Dog Yoga from anywhere in the world, live or on demand. 
we have Zoom classes that are happening every single day. They show a video of the room and the live speaker that's teaching in the room. And you can also join us here in the Folsom and Sacramento area for Baptiste Yoga. We're the only Baptiste Yoga studio in the Sacramento, greater Sacramento area. We were the very first Baptiste Yoga studio in the state of California. Um, since then, it's erupted. Um, so groundbreaking in some ways, I would say. Uh, but you can join us in the studio as well for some amazing classes. Head to spotteddogyoga.com, click on the schedule, and book your classes today, okay? We've got a lot of really great programs coming up. If you want to join our newsletter, head to our website, join our newsletter. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're, all on, we're on all the social media channels. Um, and working our hardest to make a big difference, uh, not only here in Folsom, California, but all over the world. This is Nick from Play Hard and Love Big Radio in Folsom, California, where we play hard and we love big every damn day. Thanks for checking in. Have a great rest of your evening. Namaste.